Welcome to the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Hello, good evening and welcome to another episode of the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Uh, joining me as usual, the dynamic trio, Finno, in sunny Edinburgh. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, not bad. How are you guys? Joe, still stranded in Brighton? Still here, yeah. Still drowning my sorrows after Saints' one point in 47. <laughs> Kev looks very chirpy and uh, happy in sunny Salzburg. Not missing the Spanish rays, Kev. No, it's all basking, basking, veritably basking in Salzburg. Yeah, the weather has been good. Um, we're going to run through the next three days, Premier League games, uh, as usual. Speaking of Salzburg, I just want to bring you a bit of bad news. Uh, good mate of mine, actually, good good friend of a lot of people here, a guy called Des Makalinen, uh, who was the goalkeeping coach uh, for Red Bull Salzburg for a while, the goalkeeping coach uh, for our, um, New York Red Bulls, the United States national team and the Colombia national team. He passed away this week, so sad news there. Uh, okay, moving on. Tonight there's a game, Manchester City, the machine who don't lose, at home to Wolves. Um, City, of course, beat West Ham, Fino 2-1. I'll get your take on that in a second. Wolves, I thought, were really poor against Newcastle. Um, they're a threat from the wide areas with Traore and... Uh, I can't think of the guy's name on the right wing. Left-footed player, keeps cutting in. Portuguese. Pedro Neto, I think. Neto, Neto, that's his name. Yeah, that guy, you know, really, really tricky wingers. Um, but Newcastle had loads of chances and Wolves let Newcastle in and basically dominated the game from midfield. We can only see City winning here, of course, but <clears throat> how long is this run going to go on? And, you know, looking at the score, Finno, I just, for a second, West Ham went 1-0 up. No, we didn't. You didn't no, get one of Okay. <laughs> you messaged the group and Antonio had scored and thought, wow, could this be on? Could this be the game where Man City finally slipped? Well, yeah, and I think when West Ham did equalise, they suddenly came into their ascendancy a little bit and, and really started to try and pin Man City back. But I was going to say that West Ham kind of showed that Man City are, are kind of not infallible, but they've scored 51 goals and conceded seven over the last 20 games. I mean, it's just it's remarkable. Um, and I think the scary thing is about that West Ham victory is they won in a very non-typical Pep way. They really ground that result out. Um, yes, the goals were technically very good, but they really kind of did have to you know, work hard. And that's with £350 million worth of players left on the bench. Fresh, raring to go. I just can't see anything for Wolves from here. I think you know it must be your season when your two centre-half score. <laughs> uh, they just seem to be able to get goals from absolutely anywhere on the pitch. So that's 20 in a row now, I think, isn't it? And yeah, I, I can't see them losing anytime soon. The only time I can see them maybe losing in the league is if they have a couple of big you know, Champions League games where they rest a lot of players. But they just seem to be on this train that has so much momentum. I can't see anyone stopping them and definitely not Wolves. Injuries also, um, Joe, will come into play. And I looked at the, an injury table list today where Leicester and Palace have nine out, uh, players out. Liverpool, I think they're on eight, Liverpool have eight players out, Newcastle have seven, something like this. But Man City have about one missing. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, they're an awesome team, but that definitely helps. Wednesday, 7 o'clock uh, Central European time, kick off at Turf Moor. Burnley, who were hammered by Tottenham, 
Spurs are back against Leicester, who really shocked us all. Leicester uh, got a goal early against Arsenal, but then went on to lose 3-1. And we all fancied Leicester to win this game. Well, I did anyway. Are Arsenal back? Who knows? But definitely Tottenham are back. And Burnley felt the wrath of it. Uh, Burnley, of course, not entirely safe yet. They look to try and get something from this game. But I fancy uh, Brendan's men to, to bounce back here. Finno. It's a tough result for Leicester. And I think actually the, the biggest loss of that game was Harvey Barnes. You know, the fact that he needs surgery, he's been taken off on a stretcher in a leg brace. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how Leicester reacts, you know, as such a key part of them going forward. Yeah, Burnley, I mean, they looked terrible at the back against Tottenham. It really a shadow of the team that, you know, I've been waxing lyrical about over the last couple of weeks. And it'll be interesting to see. You would hope that Leicester can manage to bounce back, but you just never know when, you know, such a horrible injury happens um, like has happened with Harvey Barnes, you know, could there be conclusions drawn alongside, you know, a Van Dyke Liverpool style, you know, injury to somebody who's pivotal to that team's success? Um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I think he's good, Harvey Barnes. I really like Harvey Barnes. I would love Liverpool sign. I don't think he's that fundamental uh, to the Leicester side. I don't think we're talking quite about a Van Dyke thing. And I don't think we're talking about that such a long absence either. I think you're right, though. I think it's a really good test for them because they were pretty, it was a pretty nasty result. Leicester have had a couple of nasty results over the course of the season. You know, they've lost, they've lost a couple of games, you know, quite, quite heavily. So I think they, they definitely have it in them to come back. Um, I'm intrigued, actually, at some point, maybe maybe not today, the way the fixtures work out, but I'm interested in uh, what Arsenal fans think of Odegaard, who, who I think came off the bench and, and, and looked pretty pretty tasty. Uh, he's obviously a massively talented player and I think had a bit of an influence on that game in the second half. But yeah, uh, big, big test for Leicester. I just wanted to say on Leicester, obviously we saw last season they looked like they were nailed on for top four and then they missed out on the last game of the season. And you just wonder, the closer we get to the end of the season when they are in the top four, if they lose a couple of games, whether they might, you know, I don't want to say bottle it, but they might, you know, lose out again. It must be in their mind somewhere. So I think this will be a really, really interesting game to see where they are. The only thing that I would say there, Joe, is that, you know, even though it's only four points difference between themselves and West Ham, that still feels like, you know, a chasm up in that kind of really top end of the top end of the table. You know, those four points could be, you know, just enough to see them safe. But then, as you say, you know, you've got teams like Everton, um, Chelsea, Liverpool, etc., all kind of chomping at the bit to to get after it. It'll be interesting to see how they how they handle it. I think in the normal season, Finno, <clears throat> I would agree with you hundred percent, those four points, but just this this is a crazy year. And like Look, Newcastle, for example, are 10 points clear of, of Fulham. And then all of a sudden they're almost in the bottom three, you know. Um, anybody can beat anybody on their day. Uh, results are very difficult to pick. Leicester, yeah, the four points. You'd rather have the four points than play on without Harry Barnes. But, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I wouldn't predict, you know, I wouldn't pre- I couldn't predict the uh, places two, three and four at the minute. Finno? Actually, just looking at their, their games remaining, because I think we're now starting to get into that point where we can start to see you know, trends as to the teams that they'll be playing in the run-in. They still have to play Man City, West Ham, uh, Man United, Chelsea and Tottenham. So there's five games of their remaining, say, 12 that are against teams that are battling against them for, for European spots. That's really not a very easy run-in compared to some of their some of their competitors. You'd also wonder, though, Fino, could it be a slight advantage that they got knocked out in Europe? 
with regards to more injuries and stuff and less games to play for Leicester. For Leicester. Uh, it might be a blessing in disguise. Uh, Bramall Lane also at 7 o'clock Central European time on Wednesday. Sheffield United against Aston Villa. Sheffield United beaten by Liverpool. Kev, uh, Aston Villa, of course, ground out a win against Leeds. I have to say they're really impressive defensively. They limited Leeds to almost nothing. Any kind of promise at all from Sheffield United, Kev? You know, yes. They're obviously organised. The goalkeeper did really well, um, certainly for the first 60 minutes or whatever it was. He looked like he was having the game of game of the season. So he sort of thought, well, you know, there's a, there's a chance when they did have a couple of chances, didn't they? So I just think, yeah, in front of goal, they don't look like a side who are going to stay up. Um, so, you know, honestly, if I had to bet, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not betting on them. I really don't think they've got that much of a chance. But... Um, what happens to Rian Brewster, by the way? Does anyone know? I don't think when you're that sort of club, you can afford like a 20-odd million uh, pound payout and uh, and get basically nothing back for it. So uh, so not a surprise, not a surprise there. I mean, what I've seen there, um, obviously I watched the, the Newcastle uh, Sheffield United game a few weeks back and he came off the bench, but I think he's been coming off the bench a lot. They started with the, um, I think it's Billy Sharp who scored the penalty. So Rian Brewster, a big money signing, his potential is what they bought. He's by far the, from the uh, the finished article, and I don't think he's got as much game time as he would have liked. I think it's a really good example and learning, isn't it? Like we've been talking for the last few weeks about, you know, Brighton need a 15, 20 goal a season striker. You could probably say the same for Fulham. Burnley and actually going out and spending 20 million doesn't always get you a striker who can score lots of goals in the Premier League. It's really not easy. Um, I think Chris Wilder said himself this weekend, didn't he, that they're essentially down. I think he's almost admitted it. Um, and Villa, like you say, were very impressive against Leeds. After Leeds beat Southampton 3-0, I thought, blimey, no one's going to go there and you know win for a while. And then three days later, Villa go there and win while in first gear still. So it just shows you, A, how bad Southampton are. But um, yeah, Villa, I think, uh, should win this one. And then that, that'll be five defeats on the spin for uh, Sheffield United. And Villa still have two games in hand, basically, on the teams at the at the top four. So, you know, they're six points behind. They're right in the mix there for potentially top four. Grealish, having been injured, coming back to injury, it'll be interesting to see how that Villa team going to react. I still think that they've got too much for Sheffield United, though. How much um, credit do you think we should give John Terry for... Uh... Aston Villa's defence. He seems to have made a huge difference this season. You just wonder if if John Terry may branch out on his own next season and you know be a manager. Well, if they get if they win anything or get anywhere, John Terry will be there in the full kit in the picture at the end of the season. Don't worry about that, Joe. He'll be there. Come back to your um, your twenty million pound striker thing. You know, guaranteeing goals. I mean, Newcastle spent forty million on Joe Linton and he couldn't hit a barn door. Um, Selhurst Park on Wednesday night, quarter past nine uh, Central European time. Crystal Palace against Manchester United. Palace uh, held by Fulham, or could it be Fulham held by Palace? I think Fulham were the better team uh, from what I've seen of it. I guess Manchester United, who didn't really impress that much against Chelsea. There was a lot of screams from Old Trafford about the, the penalty shout, which I thought would have been very soft anyway. Ball to hand, hand to ball, who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, United... I've seen a funny stat. Somebody sent me a funny stat this week. I think it was Palace, City, Man United, uh, Man City, Man United, Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal. All these games against the top teams have ended nil, 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 nil for Man United. So, you know, Solskjaer, are you Mourinho in disguise? Palace are more or less safe. 
nothing really to play for. Ground out the, the draw, like I said, against Fulham. Man United will be looking over their shoulders slightly. No chance of catching Man City, but you'd still fancy them to uh, to have too much for, for Palace Final. Palace are just so utterly dull to watch. If there was one team that could go down based on like a public vote, I think Crystal Palace would get my vote. They've picked up four points in their last two games with six shots in total. You know, that's a shot every half hour is not what football is all about. And fair play to Roy Hodgson for, for setting his team up in a way that, you know, they don't get beat, etc. But I actually, I, I disagree with you, JP. I thought United looked as dominant a, a team against another top four side as they have in a long time. Um, I thought Rashford and Greenwood played really well. They put that Chelsea backline under a fair bit of pressure. I think there probably was a good shout for handball there, especially under the under the current rules. Was it Hudson Adoy? Um, his hand was kind of he basically just punched it. It also looked like the Manchester United uh, forward raised his arm to the ball as well. So it could have been, could have been given either way. And if you actually look at the reaction, <clears throat> the Chelsea players initially put their hands up for handball against Greenwood. Yeah. You know, so it could have went either way, and I think because of that, the referee was, you know, his mind was made up. Um, just going off topic completely here, but there was a crazy decision at Brighton, Brighton against West Brom, where <clears throat> there was a free kick given, and uh, and it was for a handball. I don't know if you guys seen the game, but basically, I think it was Lewis Dunn kicked the ball into the net as referee was pulling the whistle into his mouth. Obviously, he said, "Look, no goal." Then he gave the goal. Then stopped it, and then in the end, it was it was no goal, you know. So there's got to be some kind of consistency with this thing, uh, Joe. Yeah, I think that that was a shocker for the the Brighton one. But just going back to Man United, how crazy was it that Solskjaer came out and moaned that Man United weren't weren't getting enough penalties? How many have they had since he's been a manager? 172 or something? <laughs> they literally have. They it must have had a penalty every game for this season. So to come out and moan that they weren't getting enough, I thought was ridiculous. I think I, I saw a couple of things on social media where it was uh, Man United fans saying it was after Klopp had made some comments about it. So you know what it's like. There's always a bit of like conspiracy theory going backwards and forwards about who deserves it and who's got more influence, you know. So yeah, I, I agree with you, Joe. It's like not not much not much substance to that in that case, I didn't think. And yeah, the, the, the VAR in the... Um, in the West Brom game was absolute. I mean, it was hilarious, actually. I mean, it was ludicrous. But if you're not a, if you're not a fan of either side, it was just so stupid. Everyone's standing around and no one knowing knowing what's going on. You do, you just sort of think, well, the ref should at least you know know the rules, if nothing else. He really panicked, didn't he? You just saw the panic in uh, Lee Mason's face. You almost felt for him. <laughs> uh, moving on to Thursday at Craven Cottage, huge game for Fulham. And for Newcastle and the likes around there, <clears throat> Fulham against Tottenham, 7 o'clock. Fulham, of course, held by Palace. Spurs were pretty impressive, lads, against Burnley. 4-0 winners. Gareth Bale, in particular, is he back, Finno? I mean, one game does not a career make. I think I, I actually want to talk about Fulham here because I, I feel like this is um, really a huge game for them. And the game against Palace didn't obviously go the way that they wanted it to. They had the better chances. It's a a flip from what I said last week where they had that little slice of luck. Now these are the kind of games where it's the kind of coulda, woulda, shoulda um, that you look back on at the end of a season and go, well, if this had gone our way, then maybe we would have stayed up. You know, after the Tottenham game, they've also got Liverpool, they've also got Man City. 
So really, it's it's an opportunity for teams around Fulham to start to pull away. And then you just wonder how good a manager Scott Parker is. If he can keep his team morale up when there's that potential, you know, psychological gap of maybe, you know, five, six points um, going into the last, say, six, eight games of the season. Tottenham, yeah, they did look much better. I think they were helped by, you know, a pretty leaky Burnley defence. I think Tottenham should have more than enough here to, to beat Fulham. Um, and yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Scott Parker keeps his team going. Where has this Tottenham been for the last couple of months? You're right, they were fantastic against Burnley. Some of the goals they scored were brilliant. Um, you know, Kane's back in the goals, Bale, Lucas Moura, uh, Son, Deli Ali's playing well again. You just wondered, like, if, if they'd have managed to kind of keep that level of performance, they'd be right in there in the top four battle. And I do worry for Fulham because you think this is this is not a good time to play Tottenham they're one of those teams that they can go on a run it wouldn't surprise you if they go and win the next four or five games uh, so you'd, you'd have to say that Tottenham and Kane should, 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 should have enough to beat Fulham you wonder if it's the fact that they're back into the Europa League you know the the idea of playing we always talk of and moan the idea of the Thursday Sunday Thursday Sunday but actually there's also some you know uh, usefulness in that, in that you're you're kind of just on autopilot. You can't really overthink your opponent. You just have to worry about what you can do. And I think potentially there is an element of Mourinho kind of, you know, trying to really outsmart his opponent rather than playing to his team's strengths. Tottenham play great expansive football when they're kind of allowed to just run free. And if they're then constrained, and I know there's been, you know, uh, leaks in the press that they've kind of been only training their defence and that sort of thing. If they're allowed to just kind of do what they want, then actually they're quite an exciting team. I think that must be the sort of lineup that Spurs fans were dreaming of, you know, earlier in the season and the performance as well. All I'd say is, I, I don't want to put a downer on them because I thought they were pretty good. The only thing is you scored that early, you know, against a very limited team. And obviously it does make life quite a lot easier, doesn't it? And I think they will have a trickier game. Obviously they're, they're up against a team who are very, very solid in defence. I don't think Fulham will win because I don't think they'll be able to score the number of goals uh, that they would need to score to win this game. But I think it will be it will be tougher. It is a derby, uh, and there'll be absolutely no gimme there for them at all. And so I think, yeah, I mean, money's probably on Tottenham, but I reckon it'll be a lot tighter. Maybe maybe a sneaky two two one. They won't have as much of the ball as they did have against Burnley. That's for sure because Fulham keep the ball. You know, they keep it for it seems like hours. And that Spurs are only six points off fourth place, West Ham in fourth, with the game in hand. So if they do go if they do go on a run, Mourinho could find himself back in the the Champions League places and all is not lost and they could win the Europa League and who knows. Uh moving on to the Hawthorns, seven o'clock, West Brom against Everton. West Brom in that crazy win Joe against uh, Brighton, where they got the goal. Brighton missed two penalties and had a goal disallowed, which probably should have been a goal against Everton, who uh, upset you last night, Joe. Yeah, um, where to start? <laughs> no, I mean, Everton weren't amazing last night. To only score one against Southampton isn't a huge achievement at the moment. They got the early goal with Richarlison, who always seems to score against Saints. Uh, I saw afterwards that Ancelotti was kind of talking about the top four, so they'll be going to West Brom full of confidence. You're right, the West Brom-Brighton game was absurd. You just can't miss two penalties in the Premier League. And you just think with Brighton now, it's happened so many times. I think it's more of a like 
more of a mental thing that they just they just can't score. <laughs> it, it's like they're cursed. They just they just can't score, and West Brom took took full advantage. Um, but still, they're going to need a lot more wins. I, I still think West Brom are down. Everton on their run of form will go there and win fairly comfortably. West Brom, I think, without a doubt, they rode their luck a little bit, and I know that. You know, we can talk about Brighton, but there is an element of luck there for West Brom in that dodgy, disallowed goal. And, and giving away two penalties and to come away with a clean sheet is, is very impressive. They can't, can they? They can't stay up. You know, nine points is surely too much of a gap. Um, but if they do go down, I think, you know, there will be Premier League teams looking at some of their players and looking to pick them off on the cheap. I think Kyle Bartley won't be at the Hawthorns next season. Um, I think he's consistently looked really good for them. Another, you know, ex-Arsenal youth player who's who's gone on to do well at a pretty decent level. Everton, yeah, they can jump into fourth here if only for a, a couple of hours. They do have a really good team. And when they're playing well, it's it's really quite an exciting time, I think, to be an Everton fan. Um, I hope that they don't jump into fourth, but I can see them definitely doing so. And West Brom, Big Sam... They needed nine wins from thirteen games or whatever. I don't think they're going to get their second. I think um, I think Ancelotti said, didn't he, that he wants the team in fourth to taste what it's like and to and to get used to it. So even if the, even if it is only for a few hours, depending on what happens, you know, uh, the following uh, or, or later on, um, I think he wants them just to get used to it because it is going to be a question of bottle now, isn't it? So you've got you've got Man City up there, obviously untouchable. I still think, you know, the, the, all the rest of the, you were saying you can't predict it, and they are all, the, it's all there to play for because everyone has been basically as inconsistent as everyone else. And so it really is going to come down to can any one of those teams put together a sort of five wins in seven, a six wins in eight, and, and, and power through. Everton, it will be a question of bottle, I think, because they are really good. I started to question that, Finno, um, during the Brighton West Brom game when. You know, there was two missed penalties. That goal, which was a goal, disallowed. And, you know, Big Sam's going off with a smile on his head. And he's probably thinking, oh, I've never been relegated from the Premier League. No, I've never been relegated. You know, still still got a chance. Um, Everton are, are capable of absolute horrible performances as well. In the last month or six weeks, they've played really badly against Fulham and Newcastle. Uh, lost both games. They can turn it on, of course. They've got some great players. You'd imagine on paper they've got too much for West Brom. West Brom will have confidence after that that win, and uh, you know they'll be full of beans and fighting for their lives really. So this is the makings of, of a really good game, as Fulham and Spurs do. But yeah, I fancy Everton. I think they'll have too much. Now the game of midweek at Anfield. Liverpool are back. Kev, nobody's talking about injuries anymore. Everything's fine <laughs> again. Liverpool in sixth place uh, on forty three points against Chelsea, who are in fifth on forty four. This could go a long way to decide who finishes up in the Champions League places. Uh, Chelsea, I thought, you know, we're okay against Man United. I thought they did all right. I mean, they're not, uh, you know, setting the house on fire or anything, but they're, they're becoming harder to beat under Thomas Tuchel, and they're solid. Kev, I didn't watch Liverpool against uh, Sheffield United. Uh, everything back to back to normal? God, no. God, no. Absolutely not. Um, I think we're a long way from that, and it's not... You know, yes, it is partly the injuries, and I think that's probably what's going to hurt them. You know, in midweek, I think if you're looking at Kabak and and Phillips as your uh, uh, as your centre backs again, if that's if that's what they go for, I think if you're looking at, 
you know, Adrian in goal. You know, I think there's just going to be too many opportunities for Chelsea. That I would love it if Liverpool could turn up at Anfield and put all the problems that they've had at home the last few weeks, you know, to bed. That they would play with that sort of swagger uh, again. But I think we're a long way from that. So I suspect, and given, and I think you're absolutely right, uh, Tuchel is by you know tendency quite, you know, he's, you know, he started off in quite defensive fashion. I think they'll be very cautious in this game. I think we may see a pretty boring game decided by a, by by the odd goal. So you know, I'm sure you'll take a draw here. Oh, absolutely. And as a West Ham fan, I can only empathise with Kev. Um, about the performances of Adrian, it's it's something to behold. Look, it's a it's a big game, and and people will rightly heap pressure on Liverpool. You know, I think regardless of the result, and sure, if they lose, they're a minimum of four points off of the top four. But again, I go back to this idea of looking at what the run in looks like. Um, they only have to play one more team in European contention um, between now and the end of the season, and if you compare that to someone like Chelsea who have to play West Ham, City, Arsenal and Leicester, suddenly it starts to feel like an absolute must-win game for a Chelsea and maybe just a must-not-lose for Liverpool. Um, yeah, hopefully it's a draw, though. That would be the ideal situation for me. Chelsea unbeaten in their last six, I think it is, um, albeit with two consecutive draws. It's set up to be a very interesting game. It'll just be whether or not Tuchel draws, you know, the team comes out to comes out of their shell and plays at Anfield or whether or not they just shut up shop. It's amazing, isn't it, when you think about it, the, the amount of money that these teams have spent, that this is 56th <laughs> at this stage in the season. And obviously, being a Saints fan, I hadn't looked at the league table for a couple of weeks because it was just far <laughs> too depressing. But I've just checked it now and didn't realise that Liverpool were 19 points behind Man City, having played the same number of games. Just absurd. Well, that is what happens when you lose about five games in a row, Joe. So, I mean, you weren't looking at the table, but the rest of us were. It's been, yeah, it's been an absolute sorry run. And I'm not going to harp on about injuries because there were one, like, one or two like slightly positive noises. You know, Cater back, who I think is, uh, we all, you know, we all think has got so much potential at least. And, um, you know, uh, Jota were, were assured might be somewhere, you know, near to, near to starting again. So, you know, Rays of hope or whatever, so we'll, you know we'll take them where we get them. Don't talk about injuries, Kev. Newcastle are missing the whole front three until uh, the end of the month, probably April. All were all were injured against uh, Wolves, which is good news for Fulham, really, because Newcastle have a half decent run coming up. Fulham don't, um, but I can't see us picking up too many points. Uh, that's the fixtures for the midweek games, folks. Uh, we will be back, of course, on Friday night, but. Before we go anywhere, a few words of wisdom. Kev. Let's see. Just think how hard it is each week to come up with a new technique to sum up football so sublime and set the weekend games in rhyme. So for a change, let these freeze frames stand to depict week 26. Short and sweet, pithy, terse, like Liverpool, it could be worse. John Stones, Curtis Jones, Var groans and Ollie moans. Fulham draw, they just can't score while Bale purrs for four-star spurs. For perfect pep, still no missteps. City's art, a class apart. A dozen wins now on the spin and hammers take it on the chin. you think to stop them in their tracks. Goals come from their centre-backs. They disappear, now 12 clear. We'll try again another year. Man United on their shoulder. Chelsea firm but must be bolder. Tuchel's tactics too defensive for a team so damn expensive. Same again for Ollie's men. Scoreless when they get no pen. 
That's not fair to Mr. Ollie. I take it back. I'm very sorry. Back to Leicester, pummeled hard by Arsenal and Odegaard. For quite a while, the teams looked hollow, but Pepe leads his teammates follow. And Liverpool went back to school, got decent grades against the Blades. There's some hope, however faint. So from me, there's no complaint. Well, maybe there's one thing I'd mock. It makes the league a laughing stock. Decision-making that gets dafter, reducing all who watch to laughter. What the hell was going on as Brighton visited West Brom? Penalties to post a bar, but things would get still more bizarre. With Brighton's goal twice disallowed, thank goodness that we had no crowd. No, I don't blame the referees. It must be hard trying to please fans and pundits, mostly fools. But please, at least, let's learn the rules. Good stuff. Thank you very much, Kev. Pleasure. Speak soon. Fennell, thank you. Cheers, guys. Thank you, Joe. Speak soon, thanks. Thanks for listening, folks. This has been the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. We will be back on Friday night. Uh, enjoy the games.